Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, Stanley Cup Final, dude, somehow... We both have a team in the final, and I got to tell you, I thought I was in big trouble. You were in big trouble. Big trouble. When Colorado went out, it came down to Mike had Vegas, Mike had Tampa Bay, and the Islanders, and I had the lowest seed, maybe the biggest underdog left for sure in in the playoffs, the team that everybody had counted out, maybe... You could have made an argument, the worst team coming into the playoffs, yep. and they're in the Stanley Cup final. I dude. know. The Montreal Canadiens versus the Tampa Bay Lightning, dude. The final's upon us. The final's upon us, dude. Did I have six of eight in the round prior to that? Yeah. Um, let's see. You only I had... believe that's uh, actually, that is true. Yes. And yeah. I have every, exp- and Tampa is a huge favorite from Vegas. The first line, I don't know what the line is today. I haven't checked, but... The first line was Tampa Bay minus 250, which is obviously ludicrous, but I still have no confidence at all. I expect Montreal to win because I lose the Vegas bet every year almost. <laughs> I got to say, like, there's something, uh, you know, interesting about this Montreal team. Like, there's, there's some in the seem air to be sort of on a mission here and... Will it all fall apart here at the end? Very possible. Yes, but it's been fun to watch. You know, certainly, um, these are a a sentence I never thought I would ever say. Uh, I have developed a a bit of an admiration for Corey Perry. Like, I don't even know (laughs) why I would ever say that, dude. dude. But, like, you look at, like, what he's brought clearly to that team, right? That when, when they won game i think it was game four and his his face is bleeding out of his face and he's out there with this toothless grin just slapping everybody in the face and hugging them getting blood all over them you know what i mean like it was just and, and you know you look at that and you go gosh like that's like that's the kind of guy that's the kind of player that you want right on your team like he's just built for the playoffs all the moves that Montreal made that were that were mostly mocked throughout the year have come up huge. And, you know, there's certainly some traits that I've heard discussed by Elliot Friedman and, and Jeff Merrick of what makes a Stanley Cup contender that we can talk about in a little bit that certainly are uh were part of the the four teams that were left at the end. And unfortunately, I, I believe the sharks have none of these traits, and, and like, and it is it's a little bit alarming, right? Yeah, to, yeah. To to hear it and see it kind of play out as evidence, and you go, oh man, like we're we don't have any of these yeah, things. We're a ways know? away. So Tampa, Montreal, dude, I'm excited. I love it when we both have a team left because then it kind of gives us a little bit of uh, extra edge and. Yeah, dude, I got nothing to lose, yeah. really. Well, except for about $800, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And You'll be the one who's puckered probably starting right now. Oh, for sure. You know? For sure. I, I, you know, t- I think Tampa Bay is the better team, but they're more banged up. It wasn't even sure that Kucherov was going to play in Game 7 at all. Yeah, there's word that Hedman is hurt. You're always waiting for Stamkos to go down again, yes, right? So, yes. yeah, no, vulnerable for sure, you know, uh, in terms of health and the COVID problems that seem to be plaguing Montreal, at least, you know, their head coach won't be back until game three, although that didn't seem to, to matter. And now they're out. They lost Joel Armia today to COVID mm. protocols. Uh, what that means, I don't know, but uh, he was certainly a very important player on that fourth line that was, you know, that stall Corey Perry Armia line was very key in knocking off Vegas losing him that's gonna hurt so um hopefully for my sake and his uh that, that he won't be out for too long yeah yeah dude not much sharks news since we last recorded which was a long time ago the the only thing that's come out has been some at least the, there was one sort of negative article <laughs> it's a pretty negative article. pretty negative article um saying that multiple players by I think it was it was Shang Peng who did it in hockey writers who said multiple players had complained about Evander Kane in the postseason sort of wrap up debrief <laughs> sessions and basically it sounds like the Sharks most productive player is not liked by other players and is a problem. Do you see my shocked face? I I do not see the shocked Um, face. Well, this actually came out of a more national article by a writer. I think his name is Frank Severelli. Severelli, yeah. So uh, he had included Evander Kane in his top five players likely to be moved in the offseason. And it, you know, when it got attention, I think it, it, it took people by surprise because I think, you know, yes, Evander Kane is was the most productive Sharks player yes. last year statistically. But I mean, we all know, we've talked about it, uh, the the distractions that come with Evander Kane um, off the ice. It was pretty, you know, n- nobody was really talking about it, how it affected the team per se, but we we've been talking about how there's been a noticeable uh, kumbaya decline in the Sharks yeah. since both EKs arrived. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And a team that was sort of known for their great chemistry and culture, and they prided themselves on this, that seems to be in doubt. Yeah. Right? More than doubt. I I think that it it certainly seems to be this is a significant liability for the sharks at this point anybody gonna take evander kane sharks did right but i mean now you've got a player who is on a pretty hefty price tag who is been you know uh not wanted in now three organizations who's gonna be offering any sort of value Fair for, question. For Evander Kane. This is not about his on ice productivity. This is about the distractions that apparently he brings off the ice. Yeah. Right? From his bankruptcy to the gambling debts to the other reports of, you know, personal issues that I don't think are confirmed, but you know, there's a there's more 
there's more TMZ headlines about Evander Kane, you know, that sort of gossipy type stuff than we've ever seen from a San Jose Sharks player, active player, right? That's, that's true. So Mark built. <laughs> but even that, yeah, I dude. Know, I, know. I mean, we're, I mean, there's been some. There's been the damn food stuff. There's you know Ryan Close DUI, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But even that and Mark Bell. But even that, like, wasn't that didn't linger for. Well, I mean, the damn food stuff's pretty bad. But he was not an active player when right. when this was going when that came out, right? But anyways, do you, on the spot. Yeah. Is Evander Kane a shark next season? Yes, I think so. It wouldn't surprise me if the Sharks tried to move him, and it wouldn't supl- surprise me in the least if other teams declined to take him. I think it's going to be difficult to look your ownership and fan base in the eye and say, yeah, we can change this guy. I mean, clearly that's what the Sharks did, right? The Sharks had this culture that was so positive, and they said, we can handle a guy like this. We can integrate a person like this. Into and I our- believe that they did initially. Yeah. I believe that they did because of the people who were here and those people are gone. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And, and now I think other teams are going to really think twice, three times and say, you know, this is not a headache that we need. This is not something that we need on our team. I can't name another team in the NHL right now that were exactly where the sharks were in terms of that needing a piece like that and saying we can withstand you know some troubles in the locker room or smooth them out or whatever it's hard but you know the on the other on the other side teams want to win and Evander Kane can help you win he's a productive player so i think it's going to be difficult if the price is not very high for a gm to say you know what i'll just leave those 30 goals on the table i'll just won't take those those 30 goals, you know, he's a 20, 25 to 30 goal producer every single year. He's extremely productive and, and consistent in that. And it's going to be hard for some people to say, you know what? I could get a guy like that. That can give me 30 goals. And I'm just not. So that's, that's the other side. I don't know. Yeah. It it will be interesting to see what happens. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say he's not on the team. I think, I think that if, if the right people, right. You know, our, our, com- I mean, you know, if, uh, if it's, uh, you know, uh, if Dylan Gambrell's like, I really don't want Evander Kane on the team, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you're like, okay, yeah, right? right. But, right. you know, if this is, I mean, if, we don't know who said it, right? But if it's the right people who said it, mm-hmm. right? If it's everybody with a C and an A, mm-hmm. right? That's basically said, no thanks, right? We can't do this anymore. This yeah. is a big, and we don't know where the coaching staff stands if, Bugner also said, "This is if you're if we're looking to get this back on track, this is not going to help, right?" Mm-hmm. I'm going to say he's not here, and I'm going to say that it's going to be an, an unfortunately, uncharacteristically embarrassing trade, like where yeah. we're essentially giving him away or even sweetening, yeah, to get rid of him yeah like that's that's my prediction dude i think and if it's true and if it and we don't know right this is just a report but if it's true and they want to try and reset the culture they've got to do it yeah like they've got to do it like they've got they can't just 
you know, we've talked about this. They can't just roll the ball back out there again yeah. and say, ah, you know what, guys? It's uh, This is the third time we've said it, but this time we mean it. Yeah. It's going to be better this time, right? No, it's not. Yeah, and I think you're right. I The reason I think that he will be on the team is because I think the Sharks are going to be extremely reluctant to to take the most productive player on the team and give him away right. for nothing or even ship him plus something useful to somebody so he's no longer on the team. I mean, as we've talked about many times, the Sharks are not exactly steeped in talent at the moment. They don't exactly have a ton of assets that are useful. Sure. I mean, Evander Kane is the most valuable one in terms of on-ice production of anyone. So but let's just talk in hypotheticals here, right? If you can find some teams with the extremely strong cultures, right, where, you know, teams that underachieved, right, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are near the end of their window of opportunity, right? For sure. You could make an argument that it is already gone. But if you sent him there, right, to play with Sidney Crosby, he's not going to... What is he going to do, right? I mean, like, he's not yeah. going to be able to be a disrupt disruption with a team that has a strong culture. Or if you send him, you know, one thing that kind of ended up being the downfall of, you know, could Evander Kane thrive in the New York Islanders organization where you have a, a, a culture, a toughness, they need scoring. Yeah, they like do. That undid them, right? That if they had a 30 goal scorer with an edge that you're playing with a coach that is in charge, right? Like they're yeah. that, and a GM that is in charge. Like there, there's not any doubt about who's running that organization. You know, you, I think there are spots, right, where you could say this makes sense that you might not get them to give you anything for them, but maybe they've got cap space or you have to take back some sort of, you know, bad contract in return, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it'll, it's going to be interesting, dude. You know, uh, the, the traits that I alluded to earlier – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run them by you here and see yeah. if you think the Sharks have these things. Um, elite goaltending. <laughs> you tried to say that with a straight face, but were unsuccessful. <laughs> Clearly, that's the biggest problem for the Sharks, is they have the furthest thing from elite goaltending. They're the worst goaltending. They're, they have the worst goaltending. Right. So they're clearly so, not that. So you, you look at, you know, Vegas has, you know, you know although it, that proved to be a bit of a distraction in the end. They have two starting caliber, likely Vesna winner, you know, yeah. on, on their roster. You have uh, Tampa, obviously with Vasilevsky, you have Montreal with the, you know, Carey Price finally healthy. He may win the Stanley Cup and be the MVP, right? Yes, I mean, yes. like, you know, that... If they win the Stanley Cup, he will be the MVP. Right, and the Islanders have a very respectable duo that plays well in that system in Varlamov and Sorokin, right? Yep. So, uh, yes, Sharks do not have that. And there's no um, solution to that in sight right now. Nope. Right? Okay. Second... Um, strong down the middle. Now this proved to be the undoing of Vegas actually, where they're so wing heavy, mm -hmm. they kind of got beat down the middle, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so sharks at the center position, not that strong, not particularly strong, especially as you go down the lineup, especially when you get to the third line. Yeah. 
when you when Mark Stahl, sorry, sorry, not Mark Stahl, when Eric Stahl yeah. is your fourth line center. He's your fourth line your center. Your fourth line center. Yeah. Like that, I mean, that was a huge reason why they won that series, right? That line, you know, they were able to get it done. This is the biggest problem, I think. Bigger they, than goaltending? They talk, well, I mean, well, yeah. I, I'm Yes, because I think that we have so much capital committed to the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. They've talked repeatedly about having strong, tough defense. Like, tough to play against, right. strong, yeah. physically strong defensemen. Do yeah. the Sharks no. have that? They don't have anything they close don't to that. They don't have that. They don't have it. Can Brent Burns play like that sometimes? Yes, that's not the way he plays. Right. The, the closest thing we've had to that Recently, it was Brendan Dillon, mm-hmm. and he's gone. But you look at the rest of the D, it does not, as much as we like Mario Ferrari, he does not match that. Yeah, he's not, you a, know, he can, he's not a huge guy. No, but but he can play, you know, a physical game, Absolutely. right? Eric Carlson, no. That's not his style. Vlasic, not his no. style. Shimmick can play physical, but I don't even, you can't even count on him to be out there, right? right? So, and you think of all the money that's tied up in... Four of those guys? Yeah. It's a problem, dude. Burns, Vlasic, and Carlson. That's a lot of money for three guys that don't play very physical or big or strong, like you said. That's right. I mean, if that's the way you win hockey games, then the Sharks have... Well, that's the way the Montreal Canadiens are winning hockey games. That's right. You know, and and when you're a poster child, Shea Weber, and, and you know, he's healthy and he's playing well, dude. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and you... It's been fun to watch. The Vegas D, they're tough. They're tough. Like, they're hard to play against, right? And you can say that about all the teams that were left. And that is discouraging when you don't have that. And you and you see the model that's been used. And it's been someone like Merkley, like who's... Yeah. Who's an Eric Carlson guy. Right. Kind of so person. that's the the model that the sharks have built their blue line around. And it appears to be the incorrect one. Right. Well, I, obviously the sharks are going to have an opportunity to correct something like that in their choice. I, I haven't been following the, the, the draft stuff super closely just yet. I usually like to do my cramming a few days before uh-huh. and, you know, really try and understand it's so hard. We've talked so many times about it, but it's so hard to predict who's going to be a good NHL player when they're 18 years old. Who knows? Sure. Who knows? You can look at the mock drafts till you're blue in the face, but that doesn't tell you anything about how these guys are actually going to turn out. So, I mean, dude, this is the thing. When it gets to the Sharks pick at number seven, and you know, there's a few players that are you know seem to be, you could look at different mock drafts and there's different guys, right? It, but it seems to be a pretty consistent pocket of names, five through 10, that are in that group, right? Mm-hmm. If the Sharks pick someone off the map, and like do like a wild reach like they do like they do if they do that how pissed are you gonna be i'm gonna be mad <laughs> right they seem to do that every year it really is annoying so are you what are you looking at here i did some i forgot i did this a little while ago but i did some uh research some draft research into so i was trying to so this is the question i was trying to answer okay? yeah yeah and it's a very limited question it's so hard to evaluate draft picks but what i was trying to do is I was trying to evaluate 
Are the Sharks good at drafting players in the first round? That's my only question, right? We all have the Pavelski stories and the, these guys and that guys. And are the Sharks good at drafting first round picks? Okay. Well, I'm excited to see. It looks like you, you're going all the way back to 1990. I've done every draft in the Sharks history. Let's, so let's do it. I okay. went, I went, I'm not going to do year by year. because Yes. No, we, we have to. Where did I go to? I think I went to 2015. Let's which do I it. No, I this is sure. fun. I, I, so it was, it was difficult for me to evaluate. Okay. So the question is, the first question is, which is difficult. How do you evaluate if they did a good job? Well, I mean, if they made the NHL and were productive NHL players. Well, but what if they have the number one pick and they're the least and they're the the middle productive player that's drafted in that first round? Would you consider that to be a good pick? Well, I mean, you can look at well, I'm looking at the draft that you have here, which is the what? This is 1993. This is when they traded out of taking Chris Pronger, right? Yeah. They drafted in 1993. They drafted Victor Kozlov. So, I mean, my evaluation of that is a failure because they they did not take a generational elite NHL defenseman. They pat they traded that pick. They could have had him. See, that makes it even more difficult to evaluate. I'm just trying to evaluate the player that they picked at the spot that they had. Was that a good pick or not? Okay, well then we'll play by your rules. So that's that's even tougher, right? So they traded down. Right. So they went down to number six. Right. Okay. And they traded for Victor Koz and they, and they grabbed, uh, drafted Victor Kozlov. Okay. Right. Victor Kozlov had 500 NHL points. Yeah. I mean, is he... Um, so, so this is what I did. I actually used a player score. So this is an overall sort of wow. win, sh- win shares type score, which is available for all these players. Because at first, I tried to use games played. And games played is tough. Because if you get into games played, then Sidney Crosby isn't the best player drafted his year because he hasn't played the most games, which is clearly ridiculous, sure. right? Yeah. You have these really distortive effects. Okay, so when you do the game score... So when you do the game score, score, so we're looking at this. So you can see Victor Kozlov was the sixth overall draft pick in 1993. Yeah. And he is the eighth best player okay. in, in game score. So, so he's a minus fair. two. So slightly below, but I would not consider that to be a disastrous pick. No. Right? No. So if we look at... Who's the best value then in that So for instance, Alex Dyg, right? Yeah. The number one overall pick was this, but he was the 16th best in terms of games. So he was was bad, right? Yeah. Okay. Todd Todd Bertuzzi, Saku Koivu, drafted in the 20s, but they are the fifth and sixth respectively. I like this. Let's do the next year here. It's a scheme. It's good. I like it. It's it's not bad. It's not bad. Sharks draft Jeff Friesen. 11th overall in 94. Yeah. Uh, and he, he probably overperformed that pick. He overperformed by six places. I like it. Okay. Right. Okay. So Shark's not looking so bad Okay. So we're, we're going to give him two for two. Shark's doing okay. Uh, 1995, you know, obviously the Sharks, uh, this is the Sharks maybe worst draft year. They drafted a player that never played in the NHL. Okay. Okay. Timo Riarvi, don't know who that is. Okay. Played zero NHL games. Okay. That's a... Yeah. Obviously, two, two and one. Obviously a miss. Uh, 1996. Um, let's see. They drafted Andres Yuzin. I'm going to say that was a miss as well. Second overall. He was the eighth. Over- second overall. They drafted Andres Yuzin oh, second overall. Oh, God. He was, oh. he was eighth in the win share. 
Oh. Or the the game score, or whatever. I'm, I'm actually surprised that he played almost 500 NHL games. I'm right. seeing that here. Right. So minus was it, 40. Oh not not God. a good not a good pick. No, that's right? bad. So yeah. minus six. Marco Sturm, a better pick. Marco yeah. Sturm drafted 21st was the fifth best. Okay. Right. But you know, there's some other bad players. Some players that we've never heard of. Jonathan Aitken was drafted eighth. He yeah. played 44 NHL games. Who was the, the best that year? For the Boston Bruins. The best that year looks like it was Daniel Briere, drafted yeah. 24th, yeah. was the most productive player yeah. of that first round All class. Right. Okay. okay, I like it. This is a fun game. Yeah, it's good. All right. Um, interestingly enough, Joe Thornton, this is not, now we're at 97. Yeah. Joe Thornton, not the most productive player that draft year. Oh, really? In that first round class. The most productive player, at least by this metric, which... I'm sure some people have a reasonable disagreement with, was actually Roberto Luongo. Roberto Luongo was the most productive player that year. Hard to argue. Okay. Patrick Marlowe, second overall draft pick, fourth most productive player that draft year. Interesting. Behind Bobby Lou, Joe Thornton, and Marion Hosa. Okay. Hmm. I wouldn't consider this to be a miss. Patrick no, Marlowe obviously not. just set the, the record it, in most cases. It puts it played. in perspective, though, actually, when you see two you know Hall of Fame players who are not the number one ranked players by this metric. Okay. Right. All right. And again, I'm only looking at, um, I'm only looking at first round draft picks. Right. The 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 Sharks also drafted Scott Hannon that year, drafted him 23rd overall, but he was the 15th most productive player of that class. That's so a the good Scots, pick. Scots did, uh, yeah. they did pretty good with Scott Hannon. Over a thousand NHL games. Over a thousand NHL games, and guys in the middle of those two, Oliokin and Brendan Morrow, Sergey Samsonov, all impact players in the NHL. Absolutely. Okay. 98 Sharks draft Brad Stewart third overall. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, fifth best. Okay, in in uh, worth behind Gomez, Simon Gagne, Alex Tangay, and Vince LeCavalier, who was the number one. Very overall. good. Okay, so yeah, Sharks not looking so bad. Not they, looking they had bad. one big miss. Yeah. Obviously, that one year. I, I, I want to jump ahead to the Doug Wilson era here because okay. we're we're in the, we're in the the Dean Lombardi era. Still. Let's where are we jumping for? So let's go to two thousand. Where do you want to go? Two thousand one. We're going to jump to two thousand one. Marcel Gotch, drafted 20th overall, 16th most productive. So actually yeah. outperformed his draft position. Sure. Marcel Gotch, not a bad pick. Not a bad pick at that position for sure. If you're, if you're picking that low and you're getting a higher production from it, I mean, he was a productive bottom six player. Exactly. So he did okay, right? 2002, I know there's some years the Sharks didn't pick, so I'm trying to... San Jose Sharks, Mike Morris... Yeah. He was the 27th overall pick, was the worst yeah. of that class. He didn't because even play a game. He didn't even play a game. But, you know, four players drafted in that round didn't play any NHL games. Sure. So, you know, obviously other players that no one's ever heard of by the Oilers, Coyotes, and Stars. All right. 2003 was a very famous draft year because every single player in that class played in the NHL, which is extremely rare at the time. Sharks famously drafted Milan Mahalik. Milan Mahalik, not a good pick for the San Jose Sharks, actually. Drafted sixth overall, was the 16th most productive player for a minus 10. Mm. Fleury, Burns, Suter, Eric Stahl, Getzloff, Parise, Corey Perry, Vonick, Jeff Carter, Brent Sieber. I mean, murderers row of players here. All yeah. strong players. Yeah. Dion Phaneuf, Dustin Brown, Ryan Kessler, Mike Richards, Nathan Horton. All notable NHL players, all mm. better than Milan Mahalik for a career. So I would consider this to be a miss. For the Sharks. This, it's, it's crazy to think that Milan Mahalik, a player who played almost 750 games in the NHL, good memories with the Sharks, not actually a very good first-round pick for the Sharks. They could have drafted 
uh, in this range, they could have drafted Parise, Corey Perry, Thomas Vonica, Ryan Getzloff. Okay? <laughs> Any one of those would right. have been a clear upgrade. All right? right. 2004, we should be well into Doug Wilson's uh, tenure here. Um, did the Sharks have a first-round draft pick this year? They did. They Lucas did. Cashbar. Lucas Cashbar, who actually only played 16 games in the NHL, but frankly, it wasn't a very deep year, and there was a lot of players that didn't play very many games that year. Boris Valabek, Chris Chucko. Lord, I, I love know. Chris Chucko. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody did, except he only played two NHL games. Uh, so they picked him 22nd. He was 23rd best because there were a lot of other players that didn't play any right. NHL okay, games. Okay, a pass. Not great, but not certainly not sure. a home run, but not okay. a, just a full... 2005. 2005. This is the year Corey Perry, uh, Carey Price was drafted. This is Devin Setaguchi year, uh, drafted eighth overall, was the 13th most productive player of that round. Okay, so great, not great. Awful, not awful, right? Um, you know, Not awful, no. Looking in the, Certainly, they got some peak production out of him at an important time. I wouldn't say that that's a miss. Now, he didn't have an extended NHL career like some of the other players that I see that you're, you've got. You know, TJ Oshie is on this list here. I mean, but right. but they were when but were TJ they? TJ Oshie was the best pick of that draft. Best pick, right. uh, you know, in terms of best uh, evaluation. Sure, he was picked twenty fourth and was the fifth most productive player. Sidney Crosby, obviously number one. Carey Price, number two. Andre Kopitar, number three. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's not. Is it, it? I wouldn't say he was a miss though. We we got we got some good years out of Devin Setaguchi, who who who. Whose NHL career got off track for reasons that were beyond skill. That's right. Right? So, sure. Okay. Next year, I'm trying to find the years where we didn't have a pick. This might be one. Nope. Ty Wishart. Oh, that was a huge bust. 16th overall, but only minus six. He was only the 22nd most. Because, again, we have some of these players that just never made it to the NHL. I guess Bobby Sanguinetti was, you know... You know, and, and guys that we've never heard of. Chris Summers apparently played 70 NHL games. Never heard of Chris Summers before, you know? I have his album. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Mark Matera. You know, it's like some of these guys literally never play in the NHL and drafted in the first round. So Ty Wishart could have been better, of course, but, you know, not the worst. Not the worst thing in the world. Uh, 2007, Nick Petrecki actually, actually outperformed because that class was so bad. Wow. <laughs> they picked him 28th, and he was technically the 24th most productive. He because played he played one NHL game. He played one NHL game. He outperformed uh, a guy who played 154? Colton Gillies. Ooh. Yeah, Colton Gillies not a very productive NHL player, oh, right? Man. He basically was... I remember how excited we were about Nick Petrecki. We were yeah. so excited. Yeah. And then Colton Gillies played 154 oh, NHL yeah. games. It was actually worse than, than so Nick Petrecki's year. Actually, if you look up, there's Logan Couture. Oh yeah, sorry. There was yeah, sorry too. Okay, so uh, Logan Couture drafted ninth overall was the uh, fourth most productive player. So this is a good pick. Yeah, this is an above average pick for the Sharks. Only behind Jacob Voracek, Max Pacioretty, and the number one overall Patrick Kane. Very good. So that's pretty good. 2008. Uh, let's see, 2008. What do we got? Sharks didn't pick in 2008, looks like. Go to 2009. Um, the Sharks, where are the Sharks here? They didn't have a 2008 or 2009? Is that true? My memory is not locked tight on this. It's like, that's I'm, correct. I'm going to skip. We'll go to 2010. Um, 
All right, 2010, the Sharks. There he is, there. Yes, Charlie Coyle. The the Sharks drafted Charlie Coyle, who is actually a really good pick for the Sharks. Uh, 28th overall, but is the 13th most productive player, who they famously traded for Brent Burns. So that, in terms of draft ability, that's a really good pick for the Sharks. Yeah. Okay. So... You know, and now we're sort of starting to get into years where it gets a little bit more difficult to evaluate. Uh, the number one player has 600 career games, so I guess it's still worth it, worth looking at. Uh, Sharks in 2011. Uh, do they have a pick? Um, no, I they, think they sent it in the Brent Burns deal. Yeah, that's probably right. Uh, 2012, they drafted Tomas Hurdle. Tomas Hurdle, arguably the best pick of the last 20 years for the San Jose Sharks. He was drafted 17th overall and is 7th best of the class, behind only Dumba, Truba, Morgan Riley, Hampus Lindholm, Philip Forsberg, and Andre Vasilevsky. Interesting. So, Tomas Hurdle, a great pick, actually, for the Sharks. Okay, If they were picking roughly where they were, uh, they would have either Michael Matheson or Radek Foxa. Oh, yeah. No, no thanks. You know, those are not, you know, or Niall Yakupov. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Niall Yakupov. Right? So, Tomas Hurdle, a really good pick for the Sharks uh, overall compared to his uh, contemporaries. Uh, San Jose Sharks drafted Mirko Mueller in 2013, uh, number 18 overall, and is the 21st most productive player of the first round. So, below average, uh, he's a minus, uh, but not horrible. Uh, you look at some of these other yeah. names, and there's other players that have played uh, that are not as good and uh looks like everybody that draft year actually played a game which is interesting in the nhl good for them which is something that we're seeing actually in more contemporary years in 2013 2014 there's only one player who didn't play in the league 2015 every player played in the league so i would say one thing that i learned from doing this analysis is that it seems like the teams are getting better Hmm. at drafting players Hmm. like first round draft picks it seems now are all making the nhl in some capacity uh, let's see, 2014, I know the Sharks, uh, Nikolai Goldobin, um, actually slightly above, uh, whoa, hold on, um, 27th overall, 24th most, uh, productive, has played 125 games in the NHL, ahead of, uh, a player like Joss Hosang, who you may have heard of, mm. uh, only played 53 games in the NHL, mm. okay, 2015, I think was my last year I looked at, and this is where it starts getting hinky, because, it's not for sure how, you know... How okay, but there's Timo are. Meyer. Here's Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer actually plays worse than his draft position. He's the 13th best player of his draft year, and he was picked ninth overall. He probably did a lot of that sinkage in the last two years. I mean, if you went back and did this analysis two years ago, I bet you he'd be above his draft position. That's right. That's, that's likely. And, you know, certainly other players picked... Uh, that have been more productive than him. McDavid, Eichel, Mitch Marner, Mika Rantanen. What Zach, a great, oh my goodness. Zach Look at this Wierenski, draft class. Oh Provorov, my gosh, yeah. Kyle Connor, Matthew yeah, Barzal, Brock great. Besser. I mean, these I are, mean, it's a great draft class. These yeah. are good, good players, right? So, so Meyer was picked when? He was 13th? Picked, he was picked ninth overall. He's, ninth. He's so a, who could the, who, who was picked uh, like 10th, 11th, 12th? Like who the, the Sharks could have had. Brock Besser, Noah Hanna, well, Noah Hannafin was picked fifth overall. Um, but Travis Konechny and Thomas Chabot, yeah. So, you know, certainly better, uh, slightly better. Where was Miko Ratanen picked? 
Miko Rantanen was picked 10th overall. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, obvious, <laughs> that's obviously the one, right? That's the one that everybody's yeah, thinking about. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll say this. You know, as concerned on the surface as I am about the Sharks making this pick, especially based on some of their behavior recently at the draft where they have... Where they took Merkley, despite the warning signs, they they stubbornly took him, and his development has been below expected. Yes. And then their completely off-the-radar selection, even though it was the last pick of the first round taking Ozzy Weisblatt, mm-hmm. was, you know, he was projected to be in the 50s, I think, and they took him in the first round. Um, it still makes me concerned that they're going to do... Well, this is our list. Yeah. I don't really care yeah. what anybody else says, right? We're going to make our pick that, that that's going to be what's going to happen. I don't think you can do that at seven. I think if you have a player that you like the best, mm-hmm. you need to trade down. You know, yeah. Yeah. You need to trade out of that pick and pick up some assets instead of just taking him at seven. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. This is it's an interesting way of valuing draft picks. I'm not sure exactly how useful it is, but it certainly doesn't seem like the Sharks are really bad at drafting in the first round. Um, have they got a lot of home runs? They haven't. But the fact is, it's hard to find really good NHL players that are going to be generational players in the teens and 20s, which has basically been where the Sharks have been drafting. So well, now we're going to have a couple cracks at some top ten picks. I think coming I think up here, are. dude, in, in, in the next couple of years, and you just hope that the Sharks are. You know, of course, they're going to try and make the best pick possible, right? They're going to pick make the pick that they believe is correct. I just hope it's actually correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think when you're in the top ten, I think the you're not going to find a diamond in the rough that makes sense to pick somebody at seven. You're going to be picking somebody that's on the board because everybody has been scrutinizing those players so much for the past year. You're not going to find, oh, there's some random guy who's the literally the seventh best player that no one knows about. That's just not going to happen. If the Sharks do that, I'm going to be really disappointed. Yeah, me too. We're going to find out. We're going about a month away. But first, the disappointment of the Stanley Cup Finals is upon us, and uh, one of us is going to be very excited, and the other one's going to be very disappointed. Vegas. Uh, uh, either way, we're going to Vegas. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, it, it always—it's uh, it, always a little. Uh, the food tastes tastes a little bit better when, yeah. when 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 you didn't have to pay for the flight in the hotel. That's for sure. That's for sure, dude. <laughs> thanks for coming over, dude. It's- good to see you, and uh, we'll be back when the Stanley Cup Finals are over. And we'll start to get down to the offseason, which expansion draft and NHL draft are coming in late July. And we'll have some, I'm sure, a bunch of roster movement coming all over the league as teams try to get compliant uh, for the for the expansion draft. Can the Sharks take advantage of some teams that maybe are in a position where they're having to expose some players, you know, that I keep reading things like, like players like Matt Dumba might be exposed for the expansion draft. It's like, if that's really going to happen, then why wouldn't you try and acquire a player like that? Somebody instead of just letting him go for free. Like I imagine if you've got some sort of really high end players like that, that they'll be on the move. So maybe the sharks can somehow get the add to their, uh, depleted roster by making some acquisitions due to some people's roster crunch. Yep. 
And the Sharks did re-sign Matt Nieto, and I think partially for expansion reasons because they need to be able to expose a certain number of players to the draft, and he's <laughs> going to be one of those players. It's a two-year deal. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Does that make him more attractive to the Seattle Kraken because he's on a two-year deal? If you're the Kraken, and I keep reading, well, they're going to take Shimmick. They're not going to take Shimmick. What? No. Why would they take Shimmick? No. I mean, like, they, I mean, if he was... Of course, if he was 100% healthy and he was the shimmick that he was, you know, three years ago where it seemed like we could never lose when he was in the lineup. Yeah. This guy's got five bad knees. Yeah. And you know? Two legs, five bad knees. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but They're that's not what it taking is. him. Yeah. Like, they are not taking him, right? And are they going to take Matt Nieto? I don't know. Maybe? That'd be weird. I mean, they, they might, I guess. I mean, we'll see. I guess. I think the Sharks are going to re-sign David Schlemko. And just expose him again. <laughs> that really was a gift. I don't know what like you, Vegas didn't make a lot of mistakes in the expansion draft. That was one of them. Yeah, yeah. You know that, that was a mistake, but oh well. All right, dude. We'll be back again. Go bolts. <laughs> Go haps. Go sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.